Good morning. Uh, come to our time in the Word, uh, our third of our three-part series on Colossians. Uh, let me pray for us. Our Heavenly Lord, we thank you for the story of Paul and his colleagues. And as we hear the story, as we learn of their circumstances, of their struggles and their triumphs, we pray, Lord, we too would aspire to serve you in our own circumstances, fully encouraged that God is with us and God is for us. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Um, have you ever wondered what is the most, most ruthlessly efficient way to get rid of a minister? You know, you know they do you know, a couple of, couple of bad sermons two weeks in a row don't smile at you at the door, you think, no, that's enough, this, the, uh, the geezer's got to go, he's got to go, maybe she's got to go. I, I, have a, I have a few suggestions of ruthless ways to get rid of a minister. Number one, while he or she is preaching, I'll just, I'll just say he to be generic, uh, while he's preaching, look him in the eye and say amen during a sermon and he'll probably preach himself to death within a few weeks. <laughs> This is my last sermon, it won't work. <laughs> Number two. Pat him on the back and brag about the good points and he'll probably work himself to death. Number three. Pay him a decent wage and since he's been living on subsistence he'll probably eat himself to death. <laughs> Four. Um, ask, ask the minister to give you something to do that will make his life easier and he'll probably die of heart failure. <laughs> Four, get the congregation to unite in prayer behind the, the pastor or the minister and he'll become so effective that probably a large church will snap him up and take him off your hands. Ruthless ways to get rid of a minister or a pastor, priest, uh, whatever you want to call them. If you don't know this, you'll figure it out soon. Uh, serving God is not always easy. Whether you're a senior minister, a rector, a youth leader, a chaplain, it is difficult. And what I hear from people in ministry is the best thing about ministry is also the same as the worst thing about ministry. And that is, you have to deal with Christians. <laughs> Christians is both the best thing about ministry and also the worst thing. Because you get to see the best of them and you get to see the worst of them. You get to see them in all their sinful ugliness. You get to see them in their failure. You get to see them in their worldliness. And often you can only get from them is an avalanche of petty complaints. And it is incredibly discouraging. And this is one point of Paul's letter to the Colossians, where he's on the one hand just filling them in on some details about him, telling him, where all his various colleagues and, and people are moving around. But he offers a very special word of encouragement to Archippus. If you look at verse 17, we get this, this one line. I mean, you, you may have just you know, glossed over it. I mean, you may not even you know, register in your head when you heard it. But Paul says, he says to the, to the Colossians, Tell Archippus, or Archippus, See to it that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. That is a very brief, but it's a very significant line. 
and I think it would have been a powerful word, not just, not just for Archippus, but for the entire congregation. So, so who is this chap Archippus? Well, the fact is we don't know too much about him. He's mentioned here and in the opening of Paul's letter to Philemon. And this, this, is, what we, this is what we can get, gather about him. Okay, he's mentioned in Philemon as having a church that meets in his house. So he's connected with Philemon in some way. Perhaps Philemon's son, but he seems to be the, the, the chapel, the person who is in charge of looking after the congregation in Colossia. Okay? Uh, he's performing some kind of ministry, some sort of service that we're told here. In Philemon, Paul calls him a fellow soldier. And that's the language that Paul uses to describe other people like, like Epaphroditus, people who struggle along with him in the service of the church. We also know that the churches of the Lycus Valley, that's Colossia, Hierapolis and Laodicea, they were not planted by Paul, but most likely by Epaphras. When Paul was in, was in Ephesus, it seems like this, this, this uh, guy, uh, Epaphras, uh, went out from Paul, or maybe he was from that region uh, originally, and he's planted these churches in the Lycus Valley area. And, and although he's done that, he's now returned back to work with Paul, uh, I think most likely in Ephesus, and the person who seems to have been left in charge is Archippus. And I want to imagine some of the problems, some of the struggles, some of the real deep issues that Archippus is going to have to struggle with. First of all, he has to fill the shoes of Epaphras. I mean, as you can see, Paul speaks very glowingly of Epaphras. I mean, this is a guy who went into raw pagan territory and planted the churches in Laodicea, Hierapolis, and Colossia. So this guy was a pioneer. I mean, he, he's gone in there and he's looked after this church and then he's left to go you know, rejoin Paul in Paul's ministry and Archippus is now the guy who is put in charge. And you, you can imagine instant, instant um, uh, comparisons, you know. Archippus is a, he's a nice guy, but let's face it, he's no Epaphras. You know, I've, I've heard some advice. Uh, never take over a church if the last minister was there for either six months or more than 16 years. Because uh, if the last minister was there for only six months, you know there were some big issues. If he was only there, if he was there for 16 years, everyone's going to be complaining about what happened for the last 16 years and how you don't do things that way. Okay? But you can find yourself in a very similar situation. I've had numerous students over the years who have gone into a church to be either the youth minister or the assistant minister, and within two to three months, the senior minister has left or died, and all of a sudden, they are now the top dog. They are the senior clerical person there. And you know, besides a Bachelor of Theology or an MDiv and about two months of ministry experience, uh, that's not much to go on to suddenly become the senior minister of a church or the senior youth leader in some sort of context. And it can, it can be very hard, and you, you yourself can face those situations. Another issue Archippus is facing is the return of Onesimus. Now, Onesimus is mentioned at the end of the slide. Now, you know, you know the story of Philemon, how Onesimus, uh, the slave of Philemon, has either run away or absconded to Paul. Uh, he seems like he's, he's, he's got converted, he's come to Christ, and then Paul writes to Philemon on behalf of Onesimus. Okay? And so Onesimus is returning 
to Philemon. So this is a this this is this is a household issue, but it's playing out in front of all the, the whole church of Colossia. So everyone can see what is going on. Will Philemon receive Onesimus? And particularly if, if Philemon is Archippus's father, and he probably knows the slave. This is a huge family and church uh, sort of debate that's, that's being played out. It can be very messy. And maybe some people are saying, no, you know, Philemon should punish Onesimus like he would any other runaway slave. You know, oh, no, but he's become Christ. He's become a brother. You know, listen to what Paul says about him. You know, I plead for my own heart. How, how can you punish him? I mean, you've got all this going on and you add to this the, the, the very hierarchical nature of Roman society and all this. It is a real messy situation. And then on top of that, we can see from Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapters 1 and 2, it seems like there is some peculiar philosophy that's operating in town that is either really enticing and affecting the Colossians or at least potentially. And that, 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 that philosophy seems to be something like Judaism dressed up in a Hellenistic carb. So someone's commending Judaism, the Jewish way of life, but they're, they're linking it somehow to the views of angels and spirits in uh, the native folk religion and all uh, related to Hellenistic philosophy. So it's pretty good. I mean, it's good Jewish apologetics. You know, commending Judaism in the language of Greek philosophy and using the terms and the ideas from, from local folk religions. And remember, you know, Archippus, he just can't go to Kuron and get a book on, you know, refuting heresies. He hasn't been, he hasn't been to Ephesus Bible College. You know, he, he is basically a, come out of raw paganism, most likely. He's had a rudimentary knowledge of the faith that he gets from Epaphras and whatever instruction he got from him. That's all he's got to go on. He's still very much a, a, probably a, an infant in the faith as well. And yet he's being called upon to be the point person to defend the good fight of the faith over against the somewhat Jewish Hellenistic philosophy that is doing the rounds and being propagated and some people are feeling enticed about it or, or want to uh, uh, join their own faith to some of their ideas. And then we're also told that the church could expect visits from numerous people. Obviously I think it's Tychicus uh, who has joined the letter but there's also the prospect of John Mark, you know, like a superintendent coming around to check up on, on the church and how they're doing, how Archippus is doing and all that. Now, this would be a very difficult situation for anyone, okay? And so you've got this chap, Archippus, with all these issues. Epaphras has gone. He's now left to himself. He's got this incredible pastoral situation with a, with a runaway slave coming back to his own master. And FYI, the master may well be his dad. You've got this strange philosophy in town and you've got other people coming and going all offering their own advice and tidbits of information as to what would be going on. Now if you were Paul, what would you say to Archippus? I know what I would say. I'd say, look Archippus, I know life is hard. I know the opposition that you're facing is difficult. But keep your chin up buddy, hang in there. I mean, that's, that's what I would say, you know. Just a nice little note of encouragement telling him to keep on trucking, you know, that, that sort of a thing. What Paul does is, uh, is far shorter, far more direct, and I tend to think 
far more effective than some sort of terse note of encouragement. Look at verse 17. He begins by saying, Say to Archippus. Now, he doesn't address Archippus. He doesn't say, I say unto Archippus, keep on trucking to God's glory. That's not what he says. That word say is in the second person plural. He orders the church to tell Archippus to fulfill his ministry in the Lord. Note this. Paul's word of exhortation and command is not directly given to Archippus. It is given to the Colossian congregation. He says, I am telling you to encourage him to fulfill his ministry in the Lord. In other words, he calls on the congregation, the group, the house, church, whatever it is we're dealing with there, he tells them to be a force of encouragement behind Archippus to get him to fulfill the calling that he has. That, that's Paul's answer. It, but this goes to show how important encouragement is. Did you know this? I don't know. Encouragement is to ministry what steroids are to athletes. I, I think about that. I think about it. You, you, they are performance enhancers. Okay? No matter how bad a week you've had, all it takes is, is one good word of encouragement and you can lift someone's spirits from lowly and downtrodden to feeling invincible. That's how encouragement works. I, I can speak to that in my own life when someone just comes up to you and almost randomly, without reason, without wanting anything in return, uh, and, and not laced with sarcasm either, you know, like, uh, <laughs> like, I, could, I could say to my, my buddy Scott, Scott, here, Scott here? Oh, good, all the better. I could say, Scott, you're a great theologian, you're going to go far. Yeah, the further from me, the better. Uh, you know, that, that's not encouragement. No, in, in, encouragement is where you just go and w without expectation, you encourage someone. And there's a lot about encouragement. What, what, what does the name Barnabas stand for? Son of encouragement. Um, I don't know what the Hebrew is for son of petty complaints, but that's probably what most pastors and most people have to deal with. Not with a Barnabas, with a son of petty complaints and whinging. Okay, of not getting their way. But we need, we need more Barnabases. You know, Paul and Barnabas went on one whole tour of the various churches they planted in Central Asia Minor. And, and Luke just provides a very terse, short comment. They went through encouraging all the brothers and sisters. Okay, it wasn't ever an evangelistic crusade. It wasn't a big ministry. It was, it was, it was the preaching tour of encouragement. That's what they did. They went through encouragement. At the end of Romans, Paul says, one of the purposes of Scripture is that through the, through the endurance it teaches, we might have hope. Through the encouragement it gives us, we have hope. Hope comes from encouragement. If you, if you want to help people in their various ministries, all you have to do is offer one word of encouragement and it can have a, a multiplying effect on their effectiveness, on their spirit, and what they can do. 
And what the, what the congregation is told to uh, encourage Archippus, they want him to fulfill his ministry. To bring it to the point of completion. Make sure he, he finishes the job that he has been given. To do it dutifully, faithfully, knowing it will not be easy, knowing he will face opposition, hardship, difficulty, debate, dissent. But he's got to bring this church to fruition. This new, vulnerable, potentially struggling church in a very hostile context. He has got to continue to fulfill his ministry, which is probably doing the Colossians 1.28 thing. Presenting every person mature in Christ. Archippus, with no theological training. Okay, No one there necessarily to back him up. It is his job to bring this church the Philemons, the Appias, to bring it to maturity in Christ. And we're told he does that in the sphere of the Lord. He does it in the Lord's strength, for the Lord's glory, and he does it in God's name. Fulfill your ministry in the Lord. Now, the application for a sermon like this is actually very, very simple. Uh, you are going to find yourself being the archipus in numerous places. You're going to be the one who needs the encouragement. Okay? Irrespective of what you're doing, whether you're leading a, a Bible study or that. But you also have the chance and the opportunity to encourage others. So this is what I want you all to do this week. Okay, This week I want you to say or do something encouragement for two other people. Okay, One person at your church, whether that's the, whether that's the, the, the minister, associate, or you know, one of the volunteers. You know, even if it's the old lady who makes the sandwiches at the end of the service. Do something, uh, say something encouraging to them and do the same thing for someone on campus. Okay? Someone who does something that you appreciate and you benefit from, but you've never done it before. Okay? So it's a very simple application, but next week when I see you around and I see you at the morning tea, I'm going to ask you, who did you encourage? You know, how much encouragement have you? Have you been a Barnabas this weekend? So be warned, I'm going to ask you, I will be there. I will be up in your face, into your personal space and business, I'm going to make it my business to get in your business and to find out whether your business was encouragement. That's what we're going to do. Finally, let me leave you with this, this analogy. I, I, learned, I learned a funny story about, about geese. Yes, wisdom from geese. When geese fly in formation, they're often making this horrible and ridiculous honking sound. And it, it, is, it is an obnoxious, it is, it is an obnoxious, horrible sound, but they're honking. And what they're honking at, they're actually honking at the lead goose who's flying in the V formation. Okay? They're encouraging him in the face of the wind, despite the fact they're all tired, cold, hungry, exhausted. They're all honking behind that goose to tell him or her to keep going. What we need to do is to honk more in our <laughs> churches. Now, I, I did the sermon in Scotland once and I had a cultural moment where I found out the word honking means absolutely stinking. As if you, you went into the bathroom and you said, whoa, it is absolutely honking in there. 
and when I said we need to get behind each other and honk more, this led the congregation into riotous laughter, which I could not understand. And then someone ex explained to me, okay, so when I say honking, I don't mean it in the um, Scottish sense of being smelly. I mean this more in the sound sense of get behind each other and encourage one another to fulfill the ministry you have received in the Lord. Because as I said, encouragement is a performance enhancing drug for those who are in ministry. You're going to be the Archippus at some point. So start the, start the change, become that culture of encouragement that you yourself will need. On that note, let's pray. Uh, our Heavenly Lord, we thank you for the men and women uh, around us who serve us. From the, the little ministries of, 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 of morning tea, of writing the bulletin, to those who preach and, and serve and, and, and stand in the bridge for us, Lord. We pray we would honour those men and women in all that we do. And that your spirit would work in us and we would call and encourage them to fulfill their ministry. In the moments where they don't feel like it, where they feel dejected and unappreciated, Lord, we pray that our churches will be filled with little Barnabases and Barnabasettes. And we would be people who are encouraged because we have received the encouragement of your spirit in our hearts. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.